couldn't run fast enough, he decided, well, I'm going to put the quarterback pass up. How many of you know that sometimes you've got to adjust to change if you want to make a change? And change starts with you making a change with you. And you know, as we've been talking about spring fever, and we've been talking about this is the time of change, and, and I believe God is wanting to do something so supernatural in our lives, but what things need to be changed in our life? We were with John Maxwell this week, Friday, and uh, well, we're at one of his uh, st- studies there, and he said two things. He says, if I make choices that I don't like, why can't we make choices that we do like? We make choices every day, so if you don't like the choices you've made... Why not start making choices that you do like? And then he also said, there's a choice you have to make in everything you have to make. There's a choice to make in everything you have to make in everything you do. So keep in mind that in the end, the choice you make makes you. The choice you make makes you. And I've been reading a book about another football player. Well, in fact, a football and a baseball player, Deion Sanders. And in this book, he was telling some, some of his testimonies, how he got way out in the world. He, he would take drugs and his co-players, uh, they would just look the other way as he was taking stuff. And, you know, he would get pulled over by policemen. And, and when they see it was him, instead of giving him a ticket, they would get an autograph. It just seemed like he got away with anything and everything. He bought a $275,000 Lamborghini. And then not long after that, he was so depressed, he got in his Mercedes and he drove off a cliff thinking that he'd just go ahead and kill himself. How many of you know money don't make you happy? But finally, he came to the place where he met Jesus and he says, I surrender. The money don't mean anything. The jewels don't mean anything. He made a rap CD. He went to the All-Star in baseball. Then he went to the Super Bowl in football. And it just seems like everybody's dreams was being revealed was being lived through Him. But how many of you know that unless you've got Jesus, it don't matter how much you've got, you're going to live a life that's void and a life that's empty. Amen. But you know, if something's not working for us, maybe there's some areas in our life that we've got to make some change. You know, how many of you wear Levi's or have wore Levi's? Okay, a few people. Anyway, how many of you know that the Levi 501 brand came out in 1870? And they, they had rivets, and they still do. You know the little copper rivets they have in the jeans? Well, back then, they put the rivets in the crouch of the jeans. The crotch. The crotch of the jeans. And what would happen, and this is what was written in the story, that as the cowboys would sit around the fire, and the moon was full, and the coyotes were yelling, and they were strumming their guitar, all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, some cowboy would be jumping up and down with his hat, hollering, you know... <laughs> This hurts. This is painful. Well, they complained to Levi Strauss and they got their jeans and they started taking the rivets at least out of that place so that, you know, they would start selling their jeans again because they weren't getting very far if everybody would stop buying their jeans. How many of you know that if something's hurting you, make a choice to make a change? You know, Henry Ford, he created the first, you know, car there and uh, he made the, you know, the Model T. And he had a businessman four years later who came up to him and says, you know, I've made this new car. And he showed it to him. It was a four-seat convertible Model A. And Henry Ford got so mad that he went inside, busted the windshield out, tore the seats, tore the doors off the hinges. And he said, there's only one car and it's the Model T. Well, this guy took off and he started developing his own cars. And that's when you started getting different dealerships. How many of you know that if you're not willing to change... You're liable to stay with the old model and not get into the new. But God's got to change for you. But boy, we're just creatures of habit. We don't want to change. I was bowling. I had the privilege, I guess, to bowl with the youth Friday night. 
And uh, I haven't bowled in years, and I never was a bowler. And uh, I did bowl in 91 and 92, so that's not too bad. But anyway, I was bowling, and I grabbed that ball. And when I went this way, the ball went that way too. And there was kids. There was those little kids and others behind me. And when I did that, Brother Jake and Sister Sherry immediately came and tried getting me to use another ball. So they got me to use another ball. But you know, that ball just didn't hit the pins like the last ball did. So I went back to the old ball and I started hitting the pins. But you know, you don't like change. But change is necessary. We've read before that if we don't change, we die. And so many times we get stuck in a different place. I just told about the bowling. Tried to get me to get another ball. I was doing so good with my old ball. I could hit them going or coming. Everybody moved out the way. But I want you to look with me this morning. Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. Now some people have the scripture on their eyes box. Some people have been claiming this scripture for years. But you know, it's more than just claiming... That I'm going to have my expected in. I want you to see some things here in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. This is the New Living Translation. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Remember that. I know the plans I have for you. There are plans for good and not for disaster. And that's for every one of us here. Look what it says, to give you a future and a hope. But verse 12, in those days when you pray, say pray. Pray. It says, I will listen. If, say if, there's your choice that brings the change. If you look for me wholeheartedly. If you come to me, not with your own agenda, your own will, but you come open for my will, which is good. If you come wholeheartedly for me, you will find me and I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. You know, Jesus is against captivity, any form of captivity. Do you hear me today, church? He is against any type of captivity, whether it's mental, emotional, financial, physical, in whatever captivity you've been battling. He is against it. He said, he announced in his first message, I've come to set the captives free. It was said of Jesus in Isaiah 61 that he was coming to set the captives free. All through the word of God, our God is a God who's a redeemer. He's a restorer. He's a reformer. He comes to take you out of whatever situation you're in. And he wants to restore you. He says, my plans for you are good if. You choose to seek me wholeheartedly. Lord, what areas do I need to change in? You know, he wants to set the captives free. If you ever saw that movie, Daredevil, that Marvel comic movie, uh, this group in there called Evanescence, they sing this song. Wake me up inside, wake me up inside. Call my name and save me from the dark. And I thought, boy, that could be turned into a Christian song. Wake me up inside, wake me up inside. Call my name. And save me from the dark. And so many today are hurting. And as we were in this conference Friday, and I was just writing some things down that was coming to my spirit. One of the things that the Spirit of the Lord had me write down that I believe needs to be one of the logos of the church. Making your past history. Look at Jeremy say, it's history, man. It's history. Making your past history and your future expectantly great. Making your past history. But you know, if you're going to just 
disconnect from your past, there may be some changes that have to come into your life to go forward into what God has planned for you. Amen. Look with me in Romans chapter 12 right quick. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. You know, if something is not working right, God says His plans are good. So what, where do I need to change? What do I need to do? Your past is history, man. And your future is bright. Amen? Romans chapter 12, verse, verse 2. Look what it says. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. How many of you know that if I am going to be transformed, I'm going to have to be changed? And in fact, one translation, the lexicon gives the definition like this. Do not fall in with the external, but undergo a deep inner change. Say change. A deep inner change by the qualitative renewing of your mind as only the Spirit of God can do. An inner change. An inner change. If something's not going right in my life, there's something not going right. If I want to listen to this. If, if your marriage isn't going right, maybe you need to be transformed in the area of a husband. If something's going wrong in your marriage, maybe the wife needs to be transformed in a different image of a wife. Or maybe if you want your children transformed, maybe the parents need to be transformed. And how is that? By the renewing of your mind. It says to prove three things here. That, that word there, approve, listen to this. That word approve means what is God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now listen to the definition for good. That you may be able to prove, test, and discern what is beneficial. Say that with me. Beneficial. David prayed. Don't forget his benefits. We all want a job. We all want something to give us benefits. And he's saying, if you want benefits, you've got to renew your mind and have your life transformed. You cannot confirm to the fashion of this world, but you've got to renew your mind. You've got to meditate upon the Word of God until you're being transformed into the husband, the wife, the worker, the boss, whatever you need to be. You are transformed by renewing your mind so that you are able to discern what is the benefits But also acceptable, write down that word acceptable, or some translation says pleasing. And I want you to hear this. That word pleasing means agreeable with what God recognizes. Write that down. You know, we say all the time, Lord, I praise you that Lord God for your good and perfect and perfect will in my life. I praise you that you, you're for your good, perfect will in my life. But he's saying, wait a minute. Do you understand what I'm saying there? I'm talking about benefits that come to you being agreeable with what I recognize as my will. There, we're going back to Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. Lord, I just thank you for all the good and perfect gifts. Wait a minute. Do you recognize what I call good? Do you recognize what I recognize? Remember, we talked on the area of repentance. The word repentance and to confess means to call it what God calls it. Now we see another level. He's saying, I want you to recognize my will. I'm not going to recognize your will. You didn't create me. I created you. 
I knew you from the foundation of the world. You only knew me for a few years. And now you want me to recognize what you want, where I am the Holy One. I will not bow to what you recognize as truth. I've already ordained the truth. Now you've got to line up and you've got to renew your mind. Now, wait a minute, God. If this is what you recognize as right, if you don't want me to marry someone who is not converted because you said in your word, I'm not so supposed to marry. It doesn't matter how much I feel I'm in love with this person. I recognize your will be done in my life before my will be done on this earth. Why? Because the choices are going to make us who we are. And so you need to write that down. That word agreeable means to accept what he recognizes as truth. How many know that our life is not our own, it's his? Now listen, that next word, perfect, will, means God's perfection and absolute. It's, in fact, it's even tied into his name. But it means the goals set by him and the word will means expressions and inclinations that creates joys, joy and peace. I wonder why I don't have any joy in my life. I wonder why I don't have any peace in my life. Well, here's the question. Am I recognizing God's will for my life? And am I reaping the benefits for recognizing His will in my life? Maybe there's some areas of change that we've got to go through. But this is what we're learning. This is what we've been teaching on. Is that we've got to accept change if we want to change in our circumstances. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 17. I mean, it may be time for an exchange. (laughs) Exchanging my will and what I think for what he wills and what he thinks. Because, you know, there's philosophy and there's psychology and there's everything going around. Well, you know, this is all right. That's all right. I'm telling you, if it's against God, it's not all right. Amen. I'll tell you something else. I'm just going to talk to the young people because I was out with them. It's not right for a boy to dress like a girl and a girl to dress like a boy. I'm telling you right now. If you're confused, you need an appointment. If you're confused about your sex, I don't care what the world is doing. I don't care if the world says boys can wear girls' jeans and wear girls' shirts and girls' boats, belts, and and girls can wear stockings and look like a whore. If we are the church, we're called to be different, and that means a change. It means a change. And we wonder, why is all this happening? Why is the world like it is? Hey, I'm I'm just going to step out right here, and I'm going to just talk a little bit. That we represent Jesus Christ. And I don't care what the world recognizes as good. He recognizes that stinks. If you want to look like somebody from Sodom and Gomorrah, have mercy on you. I think a boy ought to dress like a boy. And I think a young lady ought to dress like a young lady. Amen. Because you know what? We're talking about recognizing. We're talking about recognizing. Sometimes you can't recognize who they are or what they are. It's a shame that before your boy can go out with a girl, they've got to go through an x-ray machine. Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, 
beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, or being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we changed, and we saw that word metamorphosis, and my, my, my little uh, future cocoon, is my, my worm in there is doing good, growing, getting fat. I still got my caterpillar in there. I didn't bring him up here to preach with me lately. But he's still in there eating his leaves and all water and everything. Because one day, he can, he can want to be a butterfly all he wants to. I've had him for two weeks. But you know what? He can strain. He climbs that cage. He can try to fly if he wants to, but he just falls down. I can grab him and throw him in the air and he's still going to fall down. Why? He's still just a worm. But through the power of metamorphosis, one day in God's process. And renewing means going through the process of what God wants for us. And so one day he's going to climb on that stick that I put in there two weeks ago for his future. Because I have a future. I've let, you know what my future is? I want to let that butterfly loose in here. Yeah! I already got a good plan, and don't y'all go squash them, please. <laughs> that bird's that bird. That caterpillar's eating a lot of lot of leaves. Yeah, some bird's going to be looking for. But anyway, sometimes we got to do an exchange to be transformed in the image of God. Amen. And that word metamorphosis, word change, there means change of condition, an invisible process which takes place or begins. The word transform speaks of renewal, removal, renovation. It's the word to flip this house. Have you ever started a project and wish you would have never got into it? Oh, you know, I thought I was a carpenter. Oh, my word. Honey, find a professional because we got to quit this. But transformation, change. i got a 20-year-old young man right here. I mean, he's a man now. But it seems like yesterday, I remember that doctor putting him in my arms and stamping his foot on, on my, my chest. Brandon's in here somewhere. 14-year-old, 5'10". He's getting ready to start using my shoes. And, I, and I'm excited about that. I mean, you know, he can't fit in my clothes. I'm a little bit heavier than him. But he's going to start wearing my shoes. The kid's foot just keeps growing and growing. The changes and the processes. And I'm proud of the change and the process. Well, the Father... Heavenly Father is proud of the changes and processes in our life. But you know there are people who say, well, preacher, I can't change. I'm stuck. I made some choices and I can't get off and I can't get out. I was thinking, y'all, some of y'all saw my cousin Dirk, who's a, uh, he's a cowboy speaker, dresses up as a cowboy and does rope trips. He's kind of like a Will Rogers. Anyway, they had a ranch when I was a kid and we'd go over there. And they started me off of the bucking barrel because they, they rode in rodeos. So I wanted to be like my cousin. So they started me off on the bucking barrels and tried training me how to ride. Then they got me on the goats. And I rode a few goats. But it was time for the calves. And they put me on this calf. And I remember I had some short pants on and I didn't have any shoes on. And I got on this calf and they said, now listen, whenever you're ready, just let go and slide over to the side. And just fall off, you know. And they were going to count eight seconds. See if you can stay on eight seconds. So I was on my first calf. Man, I was all excited, man. I took off. They let go. I took off on that calf. And all of a sudden, I started falling off and I fell off. And he said, just let go and you'll be free. But somehow that rope got around my, underneath my knee. And that calf started dragging me. And when if they finally caught it and unwrapped my leg, I had a bad rope burn. And I remember it was the worst time for rope burn because that afternoon, the rich neighbors allowed us to go swim in their swimming pool. 
And I tried, and chlorine don't go good with rope burns. And that rope burn was so bad, but I started thinking, that's exactly what happens when we're not willing to let go in time. We think, well, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try her. I'm going to try him. I'm going to try this job. I'm going to try this joint. I'm going to try this drink. I'm going to try this. And you know what? If I don't like it, I can always let go. Oh, yeah, I tried letting go. And it was too late. I got, I was stuck. And I was dragged. You're supposed to be conquering the things, not the things conquering you. You hear me, church? That's a real easy example. But when you think you can quit it, it's got such a hold that it's going to drag you behind and you'll say, well, where is the good, perfect will of God? It was back there when you decided to tie on and you made a choice to stay with. You hear me today, church? I, I, I mean, this, this, this is life. This is life. And God wants to free us from some of these things. But thank God, there's always hope. And listen, just like my cousins caught that calf and finally untied me, we're catching that calf today. And if we can't catch it, we'll shoot it. And we'll eat it. And then let you see you go free. But how many of you know God wants to set us free and He wants to do a work to, to change us? Now, we're not going to go to it, but the sign out there talks about uh, if you want a change and you want to be success, success is in the change. Success is in the change. If I'm doing something and it's not working, I need to redo what I'm doing to get it right. You could go to Joshua. You don't have to go there. But we don't have time. But Joshua chapter 1, it talks about there's going to be a change. Moses has died. Now you're going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And they're going to get the things of the promised land. But listen to me. You're going to have to realize that you're going to have to meditate. Be courageous. But you're going to have to meditate. And you're going to have to focus. And you're going to have to study. And you're going to have to read my word and transform your mind so that you are more courageous in the situation you're facing. You're going to have to stay in the Word of God. And you go, Joshua, I don't care if you were in the mountain with Moses. I don't care if the mantle went on to you. You've got the responsibility that you're going to have to read. You're going to have to study. You're going to have to pray. And let me tell you something, church, because this has been a thing in America that's wrong. I don't care. T.D. Jakes and um, John Hagee are some of my, two of my favorite preachers. And they both could be here preaching to you all day. And they could be spitting on you, sweating, preaching up a storm. I mean, they could be preaching. But listen, ain't no preacher going to take you to heaven. I'm not going to take you to heaven. There's only one person with salvation. And his name is Jesus Christ. And only he is going to take you to heaven. And no matter how good somebody preaches, no matter how good they spit, sweat, Holler, run, those things are great, but they won't take you to heaven. You're going to have to call upon Jesus Christ yourself and get saved. There's one name given among men wherewith there is salvation. You hear me, church? Joshua, you don't want to fail. You want every... Remember he says... The agreeable means what is recognizable by God. That means, in the Greek, I'm walking in sync with Jesus. He told Joshua, every place that your feet step, it's because my foot's already there. And you're just walking in sync with me. You're walking in sync with me. So how can everything be conquered? How can it not be conquered? If you're walking in sync with me. If you recognize 
what I recognize. And you walk in agreement with me. My foot's already there for years to step into. Amen? So we see the perfect will of God. Now look with me in Psalms 51. We studied David a while back, but let's look at Psalms 51 and look at verse 10. You know, he says, meditate, meditate, meditate. If you are looking for a change, you know what meditation does? Brings a new revelation. It brings a new revelation. He says, if you will pray and wholeheartedly seek me, we read in Jeremiah 29, 11. Do you see these scriptures just keep, scripture is fulfilling scripture. Scripture of the Father is fulfilling scripture. It's all inspired by the Holy Spirit. That if you will meditate and receive the revelation, listen. When you meditate, you receive revelation. When you receive revelation, you receive the anointing. And the anointing lifts the birds and destroys the yoke. But if I'm not meditating, then I'm not receiving revelation that changes me so that I can be in sync with God, that I can walk in agreement with Him, and that I can walk to what He recognizes as truth in my life. In Psalms 51.10, David's praying, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew. Say renew. That just doesn't happen all of a sudden. Listen, when Joshua was told to go take the promised land and when David said renew, listen to me, church, the Holy Spirit will not come up to you and pull out a magic wand and just say, you're renewed. The Holy Spirit will not come and say, you're renewed. You're ready to take the land. No, renew is a process. Metamorphosis is to change. It's not some puff, the magic dragon. No, it's an exchange. It's a time with God. It's meditation. And he says, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Look at verse 12. 12. Restore. Say restore. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Restore to me. Dave was praying. Renew a right spirit in me. Listen. Third John 2, we're prospering, we're in health as our soul prospers. He's saying, renew a right spirit within me. Renew what I need to be renewed in the area of being a husband, a daddy, a mother, a wife, a worker, co-worker, minister, whatever it may be. Renew that right spirit within me. A passion will begin to grow. Renewal will take shape and then change will come. The word restore means to return to original form or state. It means to set something in order That was out of order. And it's amazing that after David prayed that, verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your ways. Listen to this. If I get restored, if I get renewed, I get restored. Restored means I get back in order, then I'm able to function in my place as a teacher, as a husband, as a wife. Are you seeing what David's saying here? Restore right spirit within me. After renewing me, transforming me, so then I'm able to start teaching transgressors. Because listen, I can't expect divine healing unless it's a miracle, unless I've already walked through the area of renewal and restoration. We wonder so many times, why aren't things happening? Well, it may be I'm expecting God to heal me where I want to meet Him. And He's somewhere else saying, I'm not going to meet you there, I'm going to meet you here. You can read this, and and, and, uh, uh, we won't go to it, but you can read this 
Uh, well, before we go on that, let me read this to you. Psalms 119.67. David said this. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now your word do I keep hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying it. This is the Amplified Bible. Let me read to you again. Before I was afflicted, before I went through some pain and some trouble, I went astray. But now, your word do I keep, do I hear, do I receive, do I love, and I obey. Then it goes on to say in verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn your word. 75 says, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and righteous and that in faithfulness you have in faithfulness you have afflicted me. And verse 107 says, I so I was sorely I'm sorely afflicted. Renew and quicken me, O Lord, according to your word. He's saying I need a change. I need resistance. How many of you know that sometimes we go through pain and we wonder, why am I going through this? But God is just restoring and renewing a right spirit within us. How many of you ever knew anybody who went through uh, plastic surgery? Anybody ever knew? You see them go through plastic surgery and you see them on TV. Some of them have had so much plastic surgery, you can see the veins underneath their skin. It's been so tight. Some of them I heard, they wondered what that dimple was and it used to be their belly button. They had so much plastic surgery done. <laughs> But I've talked to people with plastic surgery, and they, they, at first they go, man, this hurts. I spent $30,000 to look like this. This hurts. I'll never do it again. But three weeks later, when the pain's not so bad, you ask them, hey, how about that plastic surgery? Oh, man, I recommend it to anybody. Oh, man, it was worth it, and when I need it, I'll get another one. Why? They forgot the pain. And they forgot what they were going through. You know, and they were, oh, they were. You might be going through some things, and you feel, man, Lord, why am I going through this? I'm being afflicted. It's because God is trying to get you to fall back in love with His Word instead of being in love with what you're in love with. If I ask you, and the Bible says in Proverbs 23, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What if I ask you, what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? What have you been thinking about? Is it the Word of God? Or is it other things? And sometimes if I'm way over here, and I don't care, me, anybody, anybody, if I'm way over here and I've, I've been thinking on some things that, that is not God's way or something that He recognizes as truth for me, I may get in a storm to push me all the way back where God is. Or I could stay over there and pout and say, why is God doing this to me? Why am I going through this? God, you said you love me. I don't feel your love right now. And David says, wait a minute, God. I feel your love more here in this affliction. Because you're saving me from killing myself, from ruining my life, from destroying my life. That's why you come to church. You come to church to hear the Word of God and the, the, the fivefold ministry equipping the saints and, and building them up and purifying the body of Christ. Why? Because so many times it's so easy to get way over here to the left or way over here to the right and we wonder, why aren't things working for us? Why am I going through this? 
God has abandoned me. No, He hasn't abandoned you. He loves you even more than ever. But He doesn't want you to ruin your life. We ruin our lives. We make the wrong choices. We don't go through the right changes. We don't go through the processes. Or we give up in the middle of the processes. And we never see the fruit of all that God wants to do in our lives. We don't have time to go there. But in 2 Kings 2 and 1, the first place that Elisha went with Elijah was Gilgal. Gilgal is the place where we learn to stop living by sight. It's the place that in Joshua chapter 5, when the, when the Israelites crossed over, he says, you're not going to see manna anymore. You're not going to see the cloud anymore. You're not going to get water from the rock anymore. Now you take your food from the people. You take your houses from the land. You take the fruit of the land. I'm not going to reveal myself through those things. I'm going to reveal myself now through you. It's a place where you've got to get where you're not living by what you see. And then the next place in verse 2, it says they went to Bethel. Bethel is the place where you start fighting with your emotions. That's where Jacob fought with the angel. That's where you start fighting in Bethel with the emotions and changes of our life. And we start getting stretched. And then they went in verse 4 to Jericho. That speaks of warfare. Satan was waiting for Jesus when he came out of the desert. Jericho was waiting for the Israelites when they came out. And the next place you find is Jericho, which is warfare, fighting and battles. That Now that you've learned that, I can't go by what I see. I can't live. Live on what I feel. I've got to live according to the Word of God. So I'm going to walk around this wall. I'm going to shout the victory. I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to pray. And no matter what I see or no matter what I feel, I'm going to keep warring until these walls come down. Now, I'm shouting these walls are not moving. But just because they're not moving today, don't mean they're going to move in the future. So I have grown and gone through the process. I've gone through the change. Not to live according to sight and feeling, but the just shall walk by faith. And then when you've gone through the process, it's a process. You don't get there overnight. You're going to get there in 10 years. It's a process. When I've gone through Gilgal, which is sight. When I go through Bethel, which is emotions. When I go through Jericho, which is warfare. Then I finally get to the Jordan, which is spiritual sight. But I don't get spiritual sight till I go through Gilgal, Bethel, and Jericho. It's a process. Everything has to do with a process. So God is doing a work in us and so that we can change. Now, I want, to, I want you to write down these things to do. And then I'm going to, I'm going to, give, you something to, I'm going to give you something here in a minute. But well, number one, slow down and listen for God's voice. Slow down and listen for God's voice. He can speak through you, to you through an audible voice, inner voice. Speak through you to a dream, a vision, a word from somebody else. He might have been speak, speaking to you this morning uh, through me, through the Holy Spirit in me. He can speak to you through a word, through a song. There's so many ways He can speak to you through a child. Because change comes by hearing. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And the faith comes for the change in my life by hearing the Word of God. So slow down and hear God. Number two, learn to be led by the Spirit. What is He saying? Okay, so He wants me to walk in sync with Him. He wants me to walk in agreement with Him. He wants me to recognize what He recognizes as His purpose, His plan, His truth. I've got to be transformed till I am able to discern and see and know what is the good, acceptable will of God. And that only comes through transformation. So how is my life and how are the things I'm believing God for ever going to change and measure up if I'm not to the spiritual point of discerning what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? 
to recognize what God recognizes, His will for my life. And number three, see everything with purpose. Even if you're going through something, its purpose is to get you back into the right area, to get you back on fire and to expect the unexpectable. Now, I'm going to end with these points. The book of Acts. How many of you know the church started the book of Acts? How many know the book of Acts is a book full of changes? Now, now, every chapter of the book of Acts has a change. Now, I want you to write these down because every, every change in this book is the metamorphosis or the change of God given in the code of the book of Acts. People wrote the Bible code. I'm writing the book of Acts code right now. Are you ready for it? Chapter 1. Chapter 1 of Acts. And listen, there's something I want to encourage you. Please, I, I want you to do this with me. Read a chapter of the book of Acts every day. Just one chapter every day. And you'll know why. Chapter number 1 of the books of Acts teaches me that He'll change the way I hear. He'll change my hearing. When you read chapter 1, you'll see how many times it says that, that He spoke and He told. It may not go along with the natural mind, but chapter 1, He'll change the way I hear. Chapter number 2, He'll change the way I'll speak. He'll change the way I speak. Chapter number three, he'll change my appearance. My appearance, who I am, will be changed in chapter three. In chapter four, he changes our behavior. He changes our behavior. Chapter five, you ready for this one? He'll change our experiences. He'll change our experiences. Now listen. Let me just give you an example. What is the process? Number one, I've got to change the way I hear so I can change the way I speak. And by the way I speak, I'll be the way He'll appear in me. It'll change my behavior, and by changing my behavior, my experiences will be changed. Mm. Is this good? This is good. This is good right here. Chapter 1 changes my hearing. Chapter 2 changes the way I speak. Chapter 3 ch changes my appearance. Chapter 4 changes my behavior. Chapter 5 changes my experience. Therefore, in chapter 6 of Acts, he changes your position. He changes your position. New things coming. Chapter 7. Let me go through this. Chapter 7. He changes your vision. Chapter 8. He changes your discernment. Chapter 9. He changes your attitude. Chapter 10. He changes tradition. Chapter 11. He changes your outlook. Chapter 12, He changes your prayer life. Chapter 13, He may change your calling or He'll change it to make it sure. And chapter 14, He'll change your level of authority. Chapter 15, 
He'll partner up with you in your decision making. Chapter 16. Am I going too fast? I'm sorry. Y'all tell me. Más despacio, por favor. Despacito. Calmate. 15. He'll partner in your decision making. Sixteen, he'll change your direction. He'll change your direction. Like he did with me in the bowling ball. Number seventeen, he'll change your world. He'll change your home. He'll change your business. Chapter eighteen, he'll change your understanding. He'll change your understanding. Am I still going too fast? No. We got the CDs too and the tapes. Chapter 19. He'll change others through His presence in you. That's when you start bearing fruit. He'll change others through His presence in you. Chapter 20. He'll change you to another level of leadership. A change in leadership. Chapter 21. Write this one down. He'll change your insight. See, it's all a process now that my insight's being changed. That's why everything works out ahead of time. That's why it all falls in place. All this process, I'm telling you, out of the book of Acts. Number 22, he'll change your commission. He'll change your commission. There's growth. There's growth through this. Number 23, he'll increase your influence. He'll change your level of influence. Change your level of influence. Chapter 24 of Acts. He'll change the level of your hope. Your hope will be established and strong. He'll change your level of hope. Your hope will be established and strong. Chapter 25. He'll change the level of your confidence. I wish I could talk boldly like that. I wish I could sing boldly like that. Chapter 25. He'll change your level of confidence. Chapter 26, He'll change you into a witness of the truth. He'll change you into the witness of the truth. Chapter 27, get ready for this one. He'll change the biggest chaos, the biggest storm, into the biggest calm, into the biggest blessing. He'll take the biggest storm, the biggest chaos, and turn into the biggest calm and the biggest blessing. And then verse 28, chapter 28, I'm sorry. He'll change conflict into victory. Woo! He'll change conflict into victory. That's the 28 chapters of the book of Acts. Now, I want to encourage you, please. I know you already have your devotion, but if you will read with me a chapter a day, even today, don't miss out on, on, on chapter one if you're just going to start this. Read it. 
and look for these words in that chapter. And because it says we are transformed by the renewing of our mind as we behold what? The word. And as I revealed these, as I studied these 28 chapters of Holy Ghost change, I'm going to experience a change in all these areas because I will be, I will change by beholding in the mirror of the Word of God. Sounds too easy, doesn't it? And God will change it. Let's stand up, please.